What is up, movie nerds? It's time to go back in time and jump in to that VHS Rewind machine. It's time for a new episode of 3FN Rewind. Of course, this is the first one of the year 2023. And we've got a doozy planned out for you because, as you know, we have a whole year planned around a specific theme, but we'll jump into that a little more in a minute because I'm your host, Rich, and I am coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games, and the man who's joining me in the chair to my left for this is a man you know from the 3FM Podcast, but I would say he is the Jeff Slater to my Michael Dorsey. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Ron. Yeah, what's happening, people? That's right, and uh, first... First uh, 3FN Rewind of the new year, right? I like it. I like it. It's the year 2023. Did you think we'd make it here? I know. I figured I'd have a heart attack a long time ago. <laughs> oh, geez. I know. I know. Don't, way to bring the mood down, but it's, it's, you're not lying. <laughs> I'm not lying. You're not lying. Especially with everything that's been going on this year. I at know. the end of this year. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a crazy year. It has been. It's been a crazy year. Well, Ron, uh, we're back. And of course, 2023, we have a special uh, little gimmick, if you will, for the 3FN Rewind here in 2023. And the reason being is that both myself and Diesel from the 3FN Podcast turned 40 in the year 2023. As a matter of fact, once you, when the show comes out, my birthday is literally a week after the show comes out. Nice. So I will be 40 very, very shortly. So we thought that it would be fun to do a little gimmick of each month of the year, we are going to do a movie from that month that was done in 1983 and then in 1993. Because at 10 years old, I was really getting into movies. So it wasn't Diesel. So we yeah. figured it'd be cool to revisit some of those. But you remember some of those less. Some of them I've seen again. Some of them I've not. And in 1983, there's a lot of movies that we've seen that we're going to cover. And there's some that we have not. So we figured it'd be a good way to do 1983 for the first show of every month. And the only caveat is that if it comes out, if like, so if the show is January, that means it's January of 83, January of 93. Movie that came out there. Same thing in February and so on and so forth. So there'll be a movie. It had to be released in February. Uh, of 83 and then February 93, March, et cetera, et cetera, as you get going down the line. There was one exception, and that is the movie we are doing today. Because in January of 1983, there was not any movie, real new movies that came out that we can get a hold of. Right. The only one that we were thinking about doing is a movie called Cocaine and Blues with O.J. Simpson. And it was a made-for-TV film, and the DVD was expensive, and I was told that it was a terrible movie. Yeah, it was. So I was like, all right, let's just go and find a way around it. And this is the only month, uh, this is the only time frame it had to happen. This is the only episode. And we said, well, we'll just do that the number one movie in America was in 1980, January of 83. And that was Tootsie. Yes, it was. From December of uh, 1982. So technically it came out a month before, but it was the number one movie in America uh, as we jump into it. So we are going to be reviewing Tootsie to start off this gimmick. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. And hopefully, uh, you know, like I said, we're with 3FN Rewind from now on, all the older movies. I can't wait to get other ones, but I thought this was a good, cool gimmick to do for this year. So with that being said, all of these movies are 40th year anniversaries, except for this one and 30th year anniversaries in the 93 category. Yep. All right, Ron, are you ready to uh, tell these fine folks about 
3fnpodcast.com because I am. If you would like to find out anything about the 3FN Podcast, including our social media links, uh, Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3fnpodcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content and help support the show. Also, the T Public link, friends of the show like the ODPH Pod, and also Musical Directory where you can find out the great bands who provide us with music for these shows. And last but not least, the local sponsors, including the main sponsor for the 3FN Rewind, and that is Dragon Master Games for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. You just stop at your one-stop shop, 3FNpodcast.com, and all the links are there. Ron, it is time now to dive into our review, or start our review, of Tootsie. Let's hit the stats up first, shall we? Sure. Tootsie was released on December 17th of 1982 with a runtime of 116 minutes. Uh, of course, when we kick on over to IMDb to get you that synopsis, uh, giving you a couple of them like we do on this show. First one is the shortest, as always. Michael Dorsey, an unsuccessful actor, disguises himself as a woman in order to get a role on a trashy hospital show soap. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, that's I think I don't I don't think that's the winner. Uh, but we'll give you a couple more because we always do. Uh, New York actor Michael Dorsey is a talented perfectionist who is so hard on himself and others that his agent can no longer find work for him. After a soap opera audition goes poorly, Michael reinvents himself as actress Dorothy Michaels and wins the part. What was supposed to be a short-lived role turns into a long-term contract. But when Michael falls for his castmate Julie, complications develop that could wreck everything. On the nose, right? Pretty much. And the last one. Michael Dorsey is desperate. He can't find a job. That is, until he gets a female role in a soap opera and becomes very famous. Of course, nobody knows that this new television star is a man, dot, dot, dot. Which is not true, by the way. But after a (laughs) while, he falls in love with the leading actress of the series. And here is the big problem. How can he express his feelings since she thinks that Michael is a woman yeah. some of this is actually good but some of it's bad i would still go with the simplest one was the first one yeah that's my selection that's my selection ron and i am fucking sticking to it i like friend. it i like it okay so let's find out who made this movie it was directed by Sidney Pollack. Uh, Cindy started his career uh, in a movie called The Slender Thread in 1965. Also, uh, movies that you might know that he did, The Firm and mm. Sabrina. Uh, unfortunately, okay. we lost Sidney to stomach cancer on May 26th of 2008 at the age of 73. So he's done some good stuff in his life. Also, there was a lot of movie credits and smaller movies. You know, we, do, we usually leave those out. Yeah. The screenplay for this movie was done by three people. First, the story, Don McGuire, uh, who only did one other f- uh, story for a film, Dial 1119 in 1950. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away on April 13th of 99 at the age of 80, uh, no cause of death. Uh, the other two writers uh, were actually the people who wrote the screenplay itself. Uh, Larry uh, Gilbert uh, did, started his career and the notorious landlady in 1962. Uh, he would go on to write, Oh God. And then in 2000, his last movie was a movie, a little movie called Bedazzled. However, Larry Gelbert is known primarily for one of the biggest things he ever did. And that would be, he created mash the TV show. Oh, nice. So he wrote mash. Awesome. So, I mean, obviously I don't think you any, usually we don't talk about the TV shows, but I don't know if you get any bigger than that. No, in a movie career. It was on longer than the war was, but I enjoyed bedazzled. Bedazzled was good. One day we'll review that. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately we did lose Larry on, uh, to cancer on September 11th, 2009 at the age of 81. 
And last but certainly not least, uh, Murray Shishigale, uh, who started his career with a movie called Love, L-U-V, in 1967. He didn't do too much work either. Uh, and unfortunately, he passed away undisclosed uh, cause on October 1st of 2020 at the age of 93. So one hell of a fucking run oh, yeah. uh, for Murray. But hey, they put together a hell of a script. Hell of a script. Next up, the cinematographer, Owen Rosman, who started his career in a little movie called Stop in 1970. But that same exact year, you may know this movie more, Ronald, The French Connection. Oh, yeah. So he was a cinematographer there. He would then also go on to be the cinematographer for The Exorcist. Okay. The, the original Stepford Wives from the 70s. Oh, nice. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <laughs> Taps. The Adams Family, and Wyatt Earp. Oh, that works. Uh, he is still alive, but he hasn't done much in uh, recent years. But still, I think that uh, that cinematography it, speaks for itself. All by itself, yeah. Dude, The Exorcist alone makes you a legend. I think that gets you into some kind of award uh, from the Academy just for that movie. Well, it's time to find out who the actors for this film were. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? <laughs> Dustin Hoffman will start with, who plays Michael Dorsey slash Dorothy Michaels. Of course, I know everybody knows who Dustin Hoffman is. Uh, he started his career, his film career, in a movie called The Tiger Makes Out in 1967. <laughs> this, the, the very next year, he would be in the movie that launched his career, The Graduate. Yes. Uh, following that, he was in Lenny, where he played Lenny Bruce. One of, uh, If you've never seen that movie, I would definitely highly suggest it. He was in All the President's Man. And then, of course, when you hit the 1980s, after he did Tootsie, he would be in Rain Man. He was in Dick Tracy. He was Captain Hook in the movie Hook. Yep. Of course, Outbreak, Meet the Fockers, and most recently in 2022, he was in a movie called Sam and Kate. Oh, yeah. So Dustin Hoffman's still doing his damn thing out there. One of the most legendary actors of all time. He was uh, joined by his co-star being Jessica Lange. Uh, you know her uh, in this movie as Julie Nichols. She started her career in the 1976 version of King Kong. Oh, that's right. Uh, later on, you would see her in uh, the 90s, uh, really made her come up there, uh, Cape Fear, Rob Rory, Hush, and uh, she was in Big Fish. And most recently, she was in a uh, movie called Marlowe in 2022. Nice. So that's a pretty awesome career, I yeah. gotta say. Next, Terry Gar. Terry Gar plays Sandy in this movie, of course, part of the love triangle, if you will. Uh, she started her career in 1963 in a movie called A Swinging Affair. <laughs> uh, but you might remember her more for her role in Young Frankenstein. Also, Oh God, Close Encounters, Mr. Mom, Dumb and Dumber, and uh, the most recent film that she did movie-wise was a movie called Kablooey in 2007. Okay. <laughs> Never Next, heard of that one. I know, neither have I. Until I, I just throw them out there just because, you know, I like to bookend the first movie and the last movie, and now sometimes you, you don't hear either <laughs> one. Kablooey. I mean, in the case of uh, Jessica Lange, we've all heard of King Kong, thankfully. Yes. <laughs> uh, next up, Dabney Coleman, who played Ron Carlyle. And this is kind of funny because his first movie was in 1965, and the movie was called The Slender Thread. Of course, if you heard that, because earlier when I announced the director, Cindy Pollack, that was his first film as well. So... Dabney Cole and him got back together on this one. Uh, but Dabney Cole was in Midway, 9 to 5, okay. on Golden Pond, a movie that you really like, War Games. Yep. The Beverly Hillbillies, mm -hmm. uh, the movie from the 90s. He was in Inspector Gadget, also in the 90s. And most recently, he's been on Yellowstone. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, he's uh, has quite the career. 
can't blame them there. Of course, let's go into uh, who I referred to you as my other half earlier, the character of Jeff Slater, played by the great Bill Murray. <laughs> and uh, I didn't, I, you know what? I didn't write anything down for Bill Murray because let's be honest. It's, Ghost, it's Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Uh, everything else. Groundhog's Day. What about Bob? <laughs> it's, it's Bill freaking Murray. Yeah, it's Bill fucking Murray. If you don't know who Bill Murray is, you've been living under a rock for yeah. a long, you, long time. You're listening to us. You know who Bill Murray is. Yeah, Bill Murray is a legend. Uh, also in this movie, though, we had uh, Charles During, who played Les. Um, once again, I'm just going to go over real quick. He did the the Muppets movie. Oh. Also, he's known for Dog Day Afternoon and most recently for Oh Brother. Unfortunately, we lost him on uh, December 24th, 2012 at the age of 89. Uh, also in this movie that I thought was one of my favorite people of all times, all times, the great George, the late great, sorry, George Gaines. Uh, if you wonder if why that name sounds familiar, uh, it's because he played Commander Lassard in the Police Academy yes, movies, amongst a million and a half other things. The man was in just a ton of movies. I, I got to be honest, one of the greatest you know, actors of the time. I don't remember a time when he was young. He was born on May 3rd, 1917. Of course, I said late great because he died on February 15th of 2016 at the age of 98. God, uh, dude, dude fucking owned it. I love it. I mean, he, shit, he was in movies up in, in 2003. He was in Just Married. Yeah. I mean, the, the man was doing movies he, for a long time. He's been in a ton of things. Yeah, and he, he's underrated actor. Like, everybody just remembers him in Police Academy being a, like a dope, but he's he's actually a really great actor. Or oh, he's a, ton, he's a ton of... He's, yeah. he, he did a great... He did did stuff on Broadway. Yeah. He's done theater. He's done a thousand things. But I did want to point this out. He was in a comic book movie. 1994's The Fantastic Four. You know, the movie that never really saw the light of day. He, oh. plays, he plays the professor in that movie. George Gaines was in that movie. Oh, the one that got half made. and Yes, yes. The, yeah. the, the, the real shit one. Yes, yeah. yes. Comparatively to anything else. Uh, also in this movie, making... One of her first movie debuts, period, in this movie, Gina Davis. Oh. Of course, later on, Gina Davis would be in The Fly, A League of Their Own, she The Long Kiss Goodnight, Thelma and Louise. I mean, shit, she's been in everything. And look yeah. at you go, man. You're she, she, she was so hot in this movie. G Gina Davis doing it for you, brother? Oh, bad, bad intensity, yes. Uh, <laughs> Gina Davis what, is great. Walking around in her uh, lingerie, yeah. Dude, Gina Davis has been in and around everything in Hollywood, period. I'm old, man, so. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. She's great. She's great. And, of course, there's a ton of other people in the movie. Those are everybody that I listed as of note. Ryan, it's time to find out what this movie made money-wise. And uh, the budget of this film, $21 million. This movie was a smash hit, by the way. I would like to say that it dominated the box office from December until March. Just so this gives you a clue. I will also tell you that even in 1982 or in 83 slash 83, this movie made over $200 million. So the number is between 200 million and 250 million. What do you think this movie made? 226. $241 million. Nice. When I say smash hit, smash hit, this is one of the... I, I, I didn't even know. I mean, I've seen Tootsie when I yeah. was younger. Yeah. This is the first time I've watched it in quite some time. But $241 million in 1982 slash 83. Oh, yeah. And it dominated the box office. Yeah, I was, uh, we were talking about this with our friend Ken M. And he was like, it dominated. I'm like, it fucking dominated the <laughs> box office. Like making bank. And for months, it was on top. Number yeah. one. Let's talk about the movie now. It is time for us to give the review. 
Ronald, uh, this movie is an interesting film. It is. And the reason I say that is this movie for 1982 when it was made, 1983 when it was mostly out, is a super progressive film. Very progressive. Because at this point in juncture, when you hear cross-dressing in the 1980s or going in drag or, you know, what now, you know, you know, you don't think, you always think of tongue-in-cheek. You always think of something crazy. You think of, you know, Tu Wong Fu, which, I mean, that came out in the 90s, but that's the kind of thing, like the original Birdcage movie. And even the Birdcage with Robin Williams was yeah. that way to an extent, too, but the original Birdcage movie and, and so many more. You always think that they do it in this tongue-in-cheek way where they poke fun at, at homosexuals and transsexuals, uh, which, you know, it's not wrong because that's what they do. And I'm not justifying. I think it's de deplorable. Yeah. This movie doesn't. No. This movie, first of all, when Michael Dorsey decides to become Dorothy Michaels, it is because he can't, he basically, for two reasons, he A, needs a job. Yeah. And B, his agent tells him he will never get a job ever again. Yeah. And he, the light bulb goes off, you want to bet? And yeah. he fucking dresses up as a woman and he goes to the audition and he kills it. And he becomes, he gets signed. And he only thinks that this is going to last for a, a finite period of time because that's the original deal. Yeah. Was it only supposed to be a finite period of time? I'm going to make money. I rub it in my agent's face. So when that one synopsis said that nobody knew, the agent knew, yeah. and his roommate Jeff Slater knows. Yes. That he is the woman. As a matter of fact, one of the funnier parts is when he explains to Jeff Slater, who's played by Bill Murray, what he's doing. And he's like, are you okay? <laughs> Do you want to talk about this? Is there something... Like is, you know, he's like, I'm all right with everything, but if, uh, if you want to be a woman, I'm fine with that. I just want to let you know. I just want to know <laughs> if this is something that you're going through or if, you if know, this is really where you're going. Or he's or like, what? he's like, no, no. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? But before Michael makes this change, I wanted to champion that, that this movie doesn't poke fun at, you know, the fact that he is playing a woman in this film. He's, he does it very seriously. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of women empowerment that we'll get to in a minute yeah. as well. And I thought that that was interesting as he works through his own quirk. So kudos to them in 1982 and 83 of, of making a movie that wasn't this, you know, the normal, we're going to make fun of, you know, gay people. Yeah. So I, I really do applaud them on that. So basically let's go back a minute. Michael, just because I want to explain the characters, Michael Dorsey, when we meet him is an acting coach who also is still an actor in New York city. Yes. And he's very serious about acting. Yeah. And he's very serious about being a coach. Now mind you, a guy who is an out of work actor being an acting coach, that is as normal as possible in yeah. Hollywood. Right. So yeah. and, and, well, in this case, New York yeah. and Broadway. And so basically Michael's doing that. Now his roommate, Jeff Slater played by Bill Murray is a, scriptwriter mm -hmm. and he writes scripts not for Hollywood but for plays yes as a matter of fact return to love canal is the movie they want to have made <laughs> and if you know anything about love canal love canal is outside the real location of love canal is outside of Buffalo New York well actually technically is outside of Niagara Falls and it was an area where they were dumping toxic waste for years and then they turned it into this residential like wonderland like they built all these houses and a school and it was like this idyllic neighborhood until the chemicals like 20 years in ate through now mind you 20 years in would put us right before this movie was made the late 70s early 80s ate through the ground in the yeah. school and people were getting sick and such yeah. and it was re you know 
turned into a disaster area because the where they dumped all these chemicals was infecting infesting everything. If you want to dive deeper on it, Love Canal is a real place. So basically, the story what we get told for this script is that these people are so in love that they want to go back to where their love started. <laughs> they want to move back to Love Canal, and it's fucking ridiculous. And it's a comedy, but it's ridiculous. Uh, I know you probably got the reference as well. What, oh, did, yeah, you, what yeah. did you think about I, Return to Love Canal? I, I, I just, I just. It was just one of those times you're just like, wow. So, I mean, at the time, yeah, it was uh, in the news and all that stuff. So I understand. And it being, you know, part of a comedy, it shows, the, you know, how things get made. Like, it really does. Like, like it's just a random thing like this. And they're just like, we're trying to push for this movie slash play or whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, it, it, you got you to have something. Like. So the amount of money they need to do this in an upstate theater in Syracuse, New York, which I thought is funny because Syracuse is an hour from where we're from in New York. So is $8,000. Yeah. $8,000 is all they need. And they got actors that are going to these New York City actors that are part of this school and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So where we finally get to him going to this audition is Sandy, who is uh, one of his students, if you will, is really like a hypochondriac and yeah. everything else. She's kind of nutty, really funny. And... She's trying to get a role on this soap opera. And while she's trying to get the role, she's like, they're not even going to let me read. After he was like, you should say this angry and with force yeah. and da, da 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 And she's like, I don't know if that's not the way and I, I can't do it. And so he pisses her off. He goes to the, the, the thing with him. And throughout this, after the, he meets with his agent, which we already touched on, and the agent's like, I can't get you work because even as a tomato, you wouldn't sit down. He was like, but I'm a tomato. Tomatoes don't sit. <laughs> <laughs> like It's like, wild shit like that. Well, in the beginning, you meet him, and he's going through all these auditions, and every time they're like, uh, you're not really right for the part. He goes, what? Do I need to be taller? I can be taller. I can get taller. And then they're like, no, you need to be a little shorter. He goes, oh, I'm short. And he pulls out the risers. I'm wearing risers right now. Pulls out the risers. Out of the shirt. It shows him being like a leave it the beaver kid, you know, you know, wait, trying to be the young kid, you know. We're looking for somebody younger. He's like, and he's being like, leave her be, be the kid. And then there's another one uh, where he's just like, oh, I, I, I can I can shave my mustache or something, I think he says. or something. I can't remember yeah. exactly. Well, so he's wearing a fake mustache to begin yeah, with, which yeah, is funny. Yeah. It's like, I, I can I can get rid of the mustache or something. I, I forget exactly how he, he put it. But yeah, it shows him putting on the mustache. It shows him, you know, he, he's a character actor and he's trying to show him that he can be a character actor and do whatever he wants. And then so it just pushes through <laughs> all the way through this movie. Oh, absolutely. So then he goes to the side of the soap, knowing that they were looking, and he dresses up as Dorothy. Yeah. And he goes there, and he goes, you know, tries to get a role. They don't want to give him a read, and he makes this big fucking stink. Like, oh, you don't, you don't want to give me a read because I'm a woman, and I, and you yeah. know, you're scared of powerful women, and da 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 da. And you, sh you should be ashamed of yourself, and storms off. And the way he tries to get in is he uses his agent's name to get an audition. Yeah. So he goes to the he goes to the elevator and the casting the actual casting director comes and goes hey your producer hey we'll let you read yeah so then the the director is like I'm still not sold and the ca the casting director slash producer goes well she did say that you were uh, you, she's never taken direction from a director quicker than she took it from you which was never said yeah he's like oh okay stroke my eagle that's Ron Carlyle yeah. uh, so. <laughs> When we get to the part where she reads the line and they give her the job and give the contract, then she, one of my favorite parts is when she goes and meets her agent. So they're outside the Russian club and she's like, I'm trying to find a Russian club. And, oh, you're, this is it. You found it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So he goes and sits down. She joins. And she's talking to me. She's like, I, I don't know if you're, it's, it's me, Michael. <laughs> what? 
what are you doing? I, I, I told you you need to go get yourself checked out. You're losing your mind. <laughs> and like, like it's this funny scene where he, he like, I, I got a job. You can't, you're going to ruin both of us. <laughs> They're not going to buy it. They did buy it. They're sending you the contract. We're making money. Like, he introduces herself to like these other producers <laughs> that were at the Russian club. It was just like this really funny, like, oh shit. Like the, now, now the agent knows like, that's why yeah. I took a pre- like, no, the yeah. people knew the agent knew. Yeah. So she goes and shoots it, and that's when she meets uh, uh, Julie Nichols, played by Jessica Lang, and falls in love. Now, in the meantime, she's got to buy clothes, so she asks her uh, agent for the $1,000 to buy a wardrobe for a woman. Yeah. And now you see Michael start to think like a woman. Yeah. Like, in, in the way. Like, oh, man, I, does this make me look fat? Yeah. Like, like, he's doing all these weird things. And that leads us to how he ends up in a weird relationship with Sandy because he goes over to take Sandy out to dinner because he's trying to make her feel better about being in the city, not even for – because she was going to go back home. Not even, like, for that, but he she see, he sees a dress in her closet and he's like, ooh, and she's like, look at that. So he's going to try the dress on. <laughs> so he's stripping out of his pants as she gets out of the shower and she's in her robe and she goes – Michael, what are you doing? And instead of being like, oh, I'm just trying to try this dress on, he goes, I want you. I want you bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we they have sex, and it, that's where it gets caught. So she, the rest of the movie, pretty much is the com- comedy of him being uh, trying to not lead her on, but yeah. at the same time, trying like if I break her heart, she's going to kill herself or whatever yeah. because she's kind of crazy. And she falls in love with Julie Nichols and Julie Nichols takes to Dorothy really well. Yeah. You know who else takes to Dorothy? Less. Yes. Julie's dad. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> he takes to Dorothy real nicely. Oh yeah. <laughs> and also our our good friend uh uh fucking uh no matter what he's going to be commandant with sorry for forever. Oh, so. he's, he's, he takes to her Real nicely too. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh yeah. He's like, oh, we're up next, baby. And we, we there's a scene where they're kissing, and, like, and he puts in the little spray and in the mouth, and he he goes for it, but she gets it over the top of that. But so you have all these funny happenings going on, and in a nutshell, like this movie just drags on, not like in a bad way, but it drags on, and takes you through the story where you're seeing the relationship between uh, Ju- uh, Julie and Michael. Uh, although Michael is Dorothy to Julie. So she doesn't know. As a matter of fact, the only time that he is Michael to Julie is at an event where his uh, agent takes him to, and he's dressed as his normal self. He's not there as Dorothy. And there was a conversation between Julie and Dorothy where she was like, sometimes I just wish men would just say, you know, I find myself really attracted to you and I just want to sleep with you. Like it makes it so much easier. So he tries to use that information and walks up to her. and He's like, listen, I don't want to waste your time. I find you... uh, beautiful and stunning and i just want to make love to you yeah and she just throws her drink out <laughs> but he does what she said but it ends up she has you know we never really find out about who the father of her kid is yeah or why. Know, it's all there's nobody there she's seeing ron kind of yeah. and the weirdest thing and this is one of the genius parts of the movie and i want to get your take on is throughout this movie and that's why i said about the women empowerment michael plays the role of dorothy while she's playing the role as an empowered woman yes and in the meantime, she's giving Julie like confidence and women at home that watch the show and people that Dorothy runs into. And she's saying, you should be empowered. You should be you know, strong. You are a woman, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it's kind of like this really uplifting thing to have like this strong female character, even though she's a man, really. Yeah. 
And I just thought that was cool in the dichotomy. But also where it starts to rub off is you start to see the things that Michael is doing that other men are doing that he starts to learn the error of his way. Case in point, we have a scene where he's lying to Sandy and he's having a conversation with his roommate, Jeff, and talking basically about, well, if I do that, you never know. She'd go off the deep end, she'd kill herself, go to the hospital, whatever. I don't want to be responsible for that. You know, well, you know, then you shouldn't lead her on. Well, I didn't say we were exclusive. I just, uh, you know, we're, we're dating, but we're not exclusive. That means I can see other girls. Like, she has to understand that. Yeah. So later on, when Julie wanted to break up with Ron, basically, Ron and Dorothy have a time by themselves, and he Ron goes to Dorothy, you don't like me, and why? And he goes, well, I know all of your stuff. Well, no, you don't. Well, you want me to spell it out? Never mind. Because <laughs> he understands, you know, he does. And then he literally looks at Dorothy, and the line he delivers is pretty much verbatim the line we heard earlier from Michael, where he says... Well, you know, you know, she's a nice girl and, you know, I don't want to whatever, but we never had an exclusive thing. So, you know, that's why I see other girls. And you know what? I don't want to hurt her feelings, so I just don't tell her and I lie to her. Yeah. And you heard that from Michael, but now as he's as Dorothy and Ron goes, do you know you understand me? And then the response from Michael is, well, as Dorothy is, more than you'll ever know. Yeah. So it goes on, and also it drives Ron nuts that Dorothy doesn't want him, even though Dorothy is not a hot woman. No. But she doesn't want Ron, and Ron has to have every woman wants him. Yes. So it's kind of interesting, because he, he brings that up multiple times during yeah. the movie. How did you feel about that journey of the women empowerment, and even like Michael searching in himself to become a better person because of now being a woman in a woman's uh, body, if you will? Well, yeah, I mean, it, definitely in the 80s, it was something that uh, wasn't really there. So the fact that he comes on uh, dressed as a woman and he shows up and he's in this uh, popular show and it's a smutty soap opera because everybody's sleeping with everybody, blah, 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 blah. And people are watching it. And then as soon as his, his character shows up and it's always this woman empowerment and like hitting, like not falling for it and all that stuff. And then all the women are watching it for more for that. And then they change the script to where the women, all the women are like, no, I don't need to do this to do this. And it actually becomes more popular and it, it fits the narrative all the way through because he's very uh you know because he's like hey i realize what you girls are going through now like i really see what you're going through now i understand what you're dealing with and even like you said and just because he he's dressed as a woman and not very attractive woman guys are still hitting on him and still trying to get get in it you know get up his skirt and he's like wow this is what they have to deal with every day is how i really feel about it and he's just like boom like this is very strong point of the movie where he's just like I'm, I understand. I, I Absolutely. get it. Absolutely. Uh, so we get to that scene, and this is the interesting night of the where we were talking about the Julie trying to break up around with that conversation. Because first of all, Julie leaves our you know Dorothy with the baby. Yeah. Well, Dorothy playing the you know like it's always been played in movies, especially at this point. And I, I liked how they did it here because it's really good comedic. The men don't know shit about yeah. babies, which is not always, is not true. We know that, but it, it, they play it to comedy here because she's leaving her hands of, of Dorothy. However, <laughs> however, the baby starts crying and doesn't show the up. baby does start crying. And he goes in like, he even is talking in Michael's voice while dressed as Dorothy. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Don't, don't cry for uncle Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say uncle Dorothy. <laughs> it was, it was some crazy stuff. It was real funny. And there's yeah, a little like, comedic scene. And when she, the sorry. feeding, the feed, the food, you're like, he's like, you told me to open up this jar. 
He yeah. had like seven jars of baby I'm food. Not, I'm not opening up another jar. I'm yeah. just letting you know. This is it. Yeah. I've, I've opened up every jar that you told me. Now, mind <laughs> you, the kid doesn't talk. talk. No. <laughs> but he's. you told me to open this jar. Yeah. Uh, so it was really funny. Uh, that leads to Julie coming back where she doesn't break up with Ron. And they have this nice scene where... Basically, she's like, you've given me, you know, I've, you know, you've given me all this strength, but I've never felt more alone because I, I'm confused about everything. And normally in a rom-com, this would be where the kiss happens. Yes. And they do this geniusly. This is one of the things in another thing in the movie that they do geniusly is that Dorothy, well, sorry, Michael, I should say, goes in for the kiss, which would happen in a rom-com. Only he's dressed as Dorothy. He is Dorothy. She doesn't know he's Michael. Yeah. And she is going in for a second, but then goes, oh, oh, no, no. Yeah. Because she thinks, like, she's like, I'm not a lesbian. Yeah. Basically, as the thing comes out, and oh, man, my my, my father's in love with you. You need to tell him you're a lesbian. I'm not against it. I'm just, you know, that's, that's not for me. I'm, I like men. But, you know, very, and, and Michael's like, or, well, Dorothy, sorry. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not a lesbian. <laughs> it's it's more complicated than that. And, well, I, and try, and, and believe it or not, in that room, tries to tell, well, yes, technically, yes. <laughs> technically, but he he's, tries to explain but she keeps cutting him off. Yeah. So her father ends up calling, which makes the conversation get short. And he gets on the phone with his, his father, Dorothy does, and goes to meet him for drinks. Little does he know that the father is going to propose to yes. <laughs> to, to Dorothy. So Michael, uh, as Dorothy, is like, uh, I, I need to go. <laughs> so when, when, when Dorothy goes home, who's sitting outside? John Van Horn, George Gaines. <laughs> and he's like, I just wanted to come over for a nightcap. And... And Dorothy's like, no, I've a long night. I'm going upstairs. <laughs> Goes upstairs and also George Gaines is in the street singing. <laughs> singing his heart out. So Dorothy invites him up. When he comes up, this is... Uh, it, it, you can't make this funny because it's not funny. I mean, it's, it's only kind of chuckly because we know that Dorothy's a man. And John Van Horn does not know that Dorothy is a man. Right. But John Van Horn basically tries to rape yes. Dorothy. And so there's a powerful piece of this scene because at this moment, because you find out after, because thankfully Jeff Slater walks in and basically we didn't see nothing. Have a good night. Yeah. And if Jeff doesn't walk, you know, there's a moment of realization, which brings the power to the scene yeah. where basically Michael says to Jeff, if you didn't walk in, I was going to find out what it felt like to be raped. Yeah, or, and then, and or be on the daily, the, the daily, daily news, news or whatever, yeah, yeah, because because yeah. uh, you probably would have been dead because he would have found out he was a man. man. So basically, Jeff is like, you know, thank God. But you know, when the, the scene is happening, there's a weird dark spice because at first he's just playing kind of grab ass, it's yeah. innocent. So you're like, oh, chuckling because oh shit, he doesn't know. And you're in your head, and you're like, maybe he's gonna find out that Dorothy is Michael. Yeah. And then when it gets a little more serious, like oh shit, it takes a powerful turn. Yeah. And the way that they played it out, I thought was was actually very good. Next day on set, though, is when we get into the climax. So the only reason I'm going through the parts of this movie is because Julie does not want to talk to Dorothy, mostly based upon the fact not of be thinking she's a lesbian, but because she didn't tell her dad yeah. that she was a lesbian. And she had brought a gift for the baby and said, oh, this is for the baby. The baby's name is Amy. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you just don't understand. Let me talk to you. And she won't. So we have to shoot live because we find out throughout this movie, there's numerous times in this movie where there is a taped soap opera, but sometimes they have to go live because somebody ruins the tape. Yes. And this was one of those times. And they're celebrating 
Dorothy's character, who is em- Emily Kimberly. Yeah. I do believe is the name yeah, of the I character. That sounds about right. And she is being celebrated and goes into... Now, mind you, we've seen this other times in the movie where the dialogue gets to Dorothy and Dorothy just changes the dialogue. Yeah. This time, though, she goes into some real life. Yeah. Although she tries to turn it into a story because she tells the story of, of a, a young woman who, who got pregnant out of wedlock and uh, the father was nowhere there. And then she had a baby girl and then she did it again and had a baby boy. And she went on to live the dream. And the baby girl wanted to be what her mother dreamed to be but could never could be was a nurse. And then the, she went on and she did all these great things and she was a nurse. And then she unfortunately passed away. And then her brother wanted to carry on his sister's legacy. So her, her brother became her sister. And it's like, I can't remember. Does he say Elmer? It's something like that. It's yeah. like, cause like, it's like, it's like not Dorothy. It's like whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Or, yeah. But he uses the character's name. So I'm not Emily Kimberly. I'm Elmer Kimberly. Yeah. Or Elliot or something like that. Yeah. And he just starts taking off the wig and you know, wiping his stuff off. And everybody's in fucking shock, except for the funny moment. This is a powerful scene. And remembering it's a comedy, I thought this was ingenious to put the, the funny moment is, is when, as, as this has happened and everybody's in shock and awe, Ron goes, that's why she didn't like me. I feel better now. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking great. Like, that was just perfect for a comedy movie to put that line in there because yeah. everybody's like, <gasps> yeah. And uh, Julie, you know, punches him in the dick. <laughs> like, there's no way to dance around that. So it goes to this interesting part where he's depressed and she goes on. And next thing you know, we're in Syracuse and we see that premiering in Syracuse is going to be Return to Love Canal. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Return to Love Canal is going to be in Syracuse. And he's sitting at the bar there. And, of course, Julie's from upstate New York. So, obviously, we find out in this scene that it's very close to Syracuse. Yeah. Because her dad's at a bar. And and Michael comes to the bar. And we see Michael's at the bar. And he sits next to him. First, the dad doesn't recognize it's him. He says, hi. And then, all of a sudden, like he re- he turns his head. And he looks. And he's like, you got a lot of balls to be here. And he's like, well, I want to return this to you because it's the, ri- the yeah. engagement ring. Yeah. And he was like, you can give it to me outside. And at this point, it looks like he's going to beat the fuck out of Michael. And Michael's like, I just, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I fell in love with Julie. I'm very sorry. I only did it for a job. Yeah. I didn't, you know, he's like, he's like, were you, you know, cause then, cause he's like, are you? And he's like, no, no, I only, I only dressed that for a job. I yeah. didn't mean to hurt anybody. Uh, you know, I just wanted, can I buy you a beer? They have a beer. And then they, they, there's a little chuckle. They have a little laugh. And yeah. then we find out when he goes and talks to Julie at the, at the end of the movie that he ended up sitting there having a few beers with him. They played a couple games of pool. Yeah. And they, you know, her, her and her dad, you know, him and his, her dad hashed it out. And we get the happy ending. At the end of the day, you know, basically Julie's like, you know, he's apologizing. And Julie's like, well, you know, I, I never felt better in my life than when Dorothy was in my life. And he's in Michael's response is, well, you can have Dorothy in your life. You know, I'm you're you're looking at her. Yeah. Like I'm still here. He was like Dorothy. Me being Dorothy made me a better man than I ever was. Yeah. And I, that that's the growth. And I thought that was yeah. a cool ending scene. And then you get the you know you have to go home with the humor because then she like they she smiles and they, you know the forgiveness is coming. There's no kiss or anything, which I thought was good. But there's just a forgiveness with the smile. And she goes, well, you know, you know, one thing you could do, you could let me borrow that yellow dress. <laughs> and Michael's like, 
the the yellow one. I, I don't know if I could do that because you're gonna ruin it. You're, you're gonna get stuff on it. Like that's that's one of my it's one of my favorite dresses. <laughs> and like it's so good. They're going away like a, almost like a Woody Allen movie yeah. ending where you know they're arm you know arm in arm and talking about you know dresses. And yeah. Like he's not. I'm not gonna let you borrow that one. No. It's one of my favorite dresses. You're, you're, you're gonna, gonna ruin it. it. You're gonna, gonna ruin, ruin it. it. So it's kind of like comes full circle. With that being said, Ron. Was there anything that you liked or disliked that we didn't mention as we went through the brief run through of the movie and our likes and dislikes of the movie? Uh, the friendship between uh, Jeff and uh, Michael, like like that solid 1980s friendship, you, you, you know, if best there friends, no matter what there, no matter what the party scene in the beginning, straight 1980s party. You know, you just have a bunch of people. They're all sitting there. They're, they're all in their little groups talking because that's what it was. You know, and like nobody was, it wasn't like everybody trying to be on top of each other like it is now. It was a solid, you know, there was a group here, there was a group here, there was a group here, especially in New York City at that time. Like it was all, you know, it, you know, a small little house party that ended up going all night. Uh, like the beats with uh, Michael and Jeff were amazing. Like the whole thing with the phone rings and uh, Michael's like, you can't answer that. And just like, why? I live here. He's like, no, 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 no. Dorothy lives alone. Dorothy can't be living with some random man. They, they can't know that. Like, uh, he, she's not a hussy. And he's like, he's like, well, whenever you find out what's going on. I, I, <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're the best part is like, well, then I'll just answer it. Yeah. No, no, you can't. What if it's like his lore yeah. or whatever, yeah. like like uh, Jeff's girlfriend? Yeah. Like, no, you can't do that. She's going to think that I have another girl here. Yeah. So, like, you can't do that. So they had to figure out. They got an answer machine. <laughs> yeah. Well, like he, like, he leaves. He's like, when we figure this out, you know, call me or let me know or something. He leaves to go to Laura's like before I before she gets mad at me or something. And it, but it was like one of those comedy beats that were semi-serious but a comedy beat because you're like two dudes trying to figure out who's answering a phone but one's acting as a woman so it's like well how would you answer this but i mean i think those comedy beats were really well i think it was good i think there was layers to this movie it wasn't like your laugh out loud funny movie for most of there there is laugh out loud moments yeah but i i'm gonna say there was a lot of highbrow like upbeat humor like like you said it's situational like yeah. the, the the friendship of them is there's funny things that happen because of the friendship there's yeah. funny things that happen because we are in on the joke that Michael is Dorothy yeah. and other people aren't. So they don't know that Dorothy is actually Michael. Yeah. So they are treating, you know, the, the character twice. There's, you know, you could see where Mrs. Doubtfire got the double scenes yeah. because there's the scene where Sandy comes over and is accusing him of cheating mm -hmm. uh, be, and he's in his dress. So Jeff is like, oh, I just woke up. I'm indecent. Let me put clothes on. And Michael like throws clothes off in the bedroom. You've seen him and he's yeah, talking it. about the, how the soap is burning his eyes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm he, in the shower. I got soap in my he, eyes. He jumps in the shower quick to get the rest of the makeup off and stuff yeah. to also be wise. So when they let her in, you know, he's in his bathrobe, he's soaking wet, gin and dry, and he's like, oh, I was just in the shower. Yeah. It just like kind of has the, the, the dichotomy of the two. And I, I thought that that was really, really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. So they, they did walk a really fine line. And like I said, you could see where it influenced something later on, like Mrs. Downfire. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I overall I will say I have to praise them for doing it very classy. They never they never punched down. They never took shots at you know the LGBTQ plus community. They never like took shots at like you know it wasn't done in a distasteful way. When Michael was Dorothy, he was Dorothy. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman did a, an amazing job as an actor of becoming a female. Yeah. And portraying a female, but in a positive light. Yeah. Positive. Like not in a, like giving the best advice that he can as a woman to other women that empowers them a little more. And through that, finding that, hey, I'm a piece of shit man just like the rest of yeah. these guys. I've done all these piece of shit things. And I think like the when you see the different light bulb moments, like where he hears the same thing from Ron that he had said earlier to Sandy, you're like, oh, he's getting the light bulb. He's not missing the fact that he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And he's, he's learning from this. So I kudos to that. And I, I can't say enough about that. 
Well, it is now time for us to find out what the scores around the internet are for Tootsie. And you know, there's only one way we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game. Ron is going to try to guess the uh, point spread. If he comes within five points above or below, he gets the point. Three answers correct gets him the win or the house wins again. And I'm also <laughs> now going to give you some clues. Because I feel like it's unfair when you're playing by yourself. When we have other people in here, no clues. Because then it's Price is Right rules. But I, 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 I want to make this a little more fair for Ron. So, Ron, are you ready to play the game? Let's give it a try. All right. I think you're going to do good on this one. I really do. Because I'm going to be honest with you. The scores are pretty decently. Okay. There's nothing that is really low. Okay. So that's going to be the first overall clue. IMDB, out of 10 using points, what did they give Tootsie? Your clue is it is... Between a five and a ten. Seven point two. You got seven point two and you got it right. Seven point four out of okay. ten. So see, yeah. a little help there. Metacritic. Out of a hundred percent, what did they give it? Your clue is this is one of the higher metacritics we've done. Ooh. It is higher than a seventy-five. Ooh. I eighty-two jumps in my head. 82 jumped in your head. Unfortunately, just missed that one. 88%. Oh, okay. nice. Like I didn't want to give two, I don't want yeah. to give you two no, 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 no. This no, 82 is, jumped in my head. Think about it. This is higher than yeah. a lot of movies we've Very ever much gotten so. from Metacritic. That's why I went with 82 cuz I'm like they don't go usually over 85. Rotten Tomatoes score. This is the critic score. Out of 100%, clue is it is somewhere north or south around the Metacritic score as well. 84. You're going to guess 84? Yeah. Unfortunately, went the wrong direction. 90%. Oh, I see. I wouldn't have guessed that. 90%. Right. And I know. That's why I was trying yeah. to. All right. With that being said, the Rotten Tomatoes fan score, I will say it is lower than the critic score, but still above 70. 78. Going to guess 78? And Ron, you stayed alive. 81%. Okay. 81%. And last but certainly not least, for the win, Google users, out of 100%, I'm going to tell you this, it is lower than the Rotten Tomato score, but it is higher than 65. It's a weird score. Wow. By the way, mind you, a critically acclaimed fan-penned film, and this is going to be lower than when we, the last review we did for the for uh, 3FN Horror Show was Terror Train, if you remember. Yeah, and that was... And it was super high compared to all the other scores. Uh, this is the opposite of that. 72? You're guessing 72? Did that make you a winner, Ron? Probably not. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Ron, you won. The score was 75%. Oh, Jesus. It's weird that they gave this yeah. 75% because... They're always Ooh. so high. That's why I like. They're always so weird about their scoring. I, I, I got to admit that. Really, really weird about their scoring. Well, now that we've given you the scores around the internet, there's only one thing left for us to do, and that is to give you our scores. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. 
All right, Ron, we're going to do the nerd score first, followed by my critic score. Of course, the nerd scale is a recommendation score based on the critic score mixed with entertainment. That means if it's got a high critic score, it still could be lower if it wasn't entertaining or vice versa. If it was lowly critic score, but it was a super entertaining film, it might get a higher score. The nerd scale is as follows. A one is no. That means do not watch this movie. It is terrible. A two is you have been warned. That means it's not quite terrible, but it ain't good. You've been warned not to watch this movie. Uh, three is, ah, it's good. That means that it's an average to, to good movie. It doesn't, it's not a barn burner. It's not like you have to run out and see it, but if it's on and you watch it, you're not gonna, you know, it's not a waste of time. You didn't, you know, take away from whatever you were doing. It's still worthwhile to see it. You just don't need to run out and see it. A four is just take my money. These are the good to very good films that are essential to see. Go out and see them. Make sure you watch them. Make sure that when uh, you see them, you can even purchase them, rent them, buy them. If you like them enough on, you know, collector's editions, go to the theaters if it's in the theater, or if it makes a return to the theater, it, that's all in the just take my money. And then last but not least is the fifth slot. That is certified nerd. And those are the instant classics. Those are the legendary films. Those are the movies that live on forever, such as Jurassic Park, Jaws, and many others that we've talked about over the years. It's the top of the top, the creme de la creme, if you will. All right, Ronald, knowing all this, what is your nerd score and why for Tootsie? For this, it's I believe it's like one of Dennis, Dennis Hoffman. Hoffman Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, sorry. Uh, best performances. Being able to play two major characters differently, but enough to know it's the same guy. I know we know through the whole movie. Um, I think Bill Murray is uh, also great in this movie. Uh, it's one of those things where completely forgot he was in this movie until I rewatched it, but he, he was great in this movie. I think everybody did so well in this movie. It's a, definitely a central movie for people who, if you're into wanting to make movies, direct movies, act, you know, it, it, it's a mini acting lesson because he shows them doing it. Like, and like if you want to be a screenwriter, it show, like there's little things in here that's like a little mini uh, lesson. So if you want, like, it's one of those that, you need to see uh, it. So I, I give it a four. Uh, I, think, I think there's just enough that doesn't push to a five, maybe because of time and how old it is, but I still think it's solid. Like it's, it gives you everything you need. It gives you the open to where you, why he does what he does. And then it gives you the, you know, obviously the mid where he's dealing with the repercussions of what, what he's doing, which isn't always good because you get to the dark point there, uh, about almost being raped and all that stuff, but you also get the conclusion, and it, it is a solid conclusion. It is a solid written movie all the way around. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna give the score up front. I also gave this a four. Just missed certified nerd, so definitely it's a just take my money. Show me the money. That's right. We're gonna give that. So we got two of them there, and uh, so that means that's gonna be the overall there. I think it just misses certified nerd, but it's very good. This is a very good movie. Well put together. Well done. Uh, my critic score of this is an 8 out of 10. I really, really think that there's only a few things that don't hit the mark. There's a couple things where it's like, oh, you know, they didn't have to do this or they, they drug this scene out a little too long or, you know, this backstory for this was not necessary. Yeah. Uh, that's why we skipped over a good part of the middle part. Not that there's like things that are terrible in that middle part. You're still moving along, but it's just like we already, it's one of those situations like when we talked about Babylon uh, not that long ago on the show where it's like, you already gave us the characters. We already know the ones we should hate and the ones we should love and care about. 
you don't need to go deeper, and they did. Yeah. And it's not that it hurts it. It just adds to the runtime, and, and at times you're like, oh. So that's one of the big flaws. Also, uh, there's some comedy beats that are missing in the film. I think that as a comedy, I love the message that they put in there, but they sacrificed some of the comedy for the message. True. And I think that they could have, like, there were scenes in this movie where they still had the message and, like, the ingenious thing where, I, like I said, when the reveal happens and Ron just goes, oh, that explains why she yeah. didn't like me. I'm like, that's perfect. Put the little comedy even in the serious moments because at the end of the day, this is still a comedy film. But I, I think they followed the comedy film in more of the Woody Allen uh, yeah. sense of comedy than like the slapstick sense of comedy that we normally see from Bill Murray in particular. Right. Uh, Bill Murray plays this movie probably as straight as I've seen him in any movie. <laughs> Like usually Bill Murray's comedy, especially this time in the eighties when, you know, stripes and, and, you know, ghostbusters, et cetera, were coming out very shortly after this, that, you know, he would go on to this next level of just being like this super comedic, uh, actor. So I don't know, not far off eight points is still eight out of 10. is still a great score in my yeah. opinion. And also just take my money is always a great score. We want to know what you think, though. If you guys agree, disagree, or whatever, if this got you to watch the movie and you've never seen it, uh, that's awesome as well. Uh, make sure you hit us up on the social medias. If you want to find the social media links, just go to 3FNpodcast.com. You'll find all of those links, plus you'll find links to the 3FN Podcast, to 607TWS, the friends of the show, like the ODPH Podcast. You'll also find the links to the Patreon, to the T Public, if you would like to support the show monetarily. Either way, we always support it. We also love seeing uh, the nerdware out there for the T Public store. And, of course, Patreon, you get a ton of extra bonus content that we make sure we get to you each and every month. And then also on top of that, there's the musical directory and of course the local sponsors of the show who help you bring this show to you commercial free every week, including the main sponsor of this show, Dragon Master Games. For all of your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. And don't worry if you forgot any of the links I just mentioned. They're all right there at 3FNpodcast.com. Well, Ron, we're kicking off the first rewind of the new year. We're kicking it off with the gimmick. And uh, I got to say, we can tell the, the world the next one. The next one is going to be from 1993. Uh, the next 3FN Rewind, it'll be actually, it was released on January 15th of 1993. My birthday is January 15th of 83. But the movie that we're going to talk about, the next 3FN Rewind here in January, is the Jean-Claude Van Damme classic, <laughs> Nowhere to Run. So I'm, I'm sure that you guys are going to be wanting to tune into that. Of course, make sure you're tuning in to the flagship 3FN podcast where we mostly talk about new films. And of course, on top of that, if you're a horror fan, make sure you're checking out 3FN Horror Show all right here on the 3FN Podcast Network. Three shows, one link. You got to love it. With that... For myself and Ron, for the first rewind of the year, for the first rewind where we're doing the 40 and 30 year anniversary films in honor of myself and Diesel turning 40. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back, uh, of course, with the flagship every week. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with 3FN Rewind featuring the review of Nowhere to Run. Until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And if you ever need to get a role as a person from the opposite sex, my only suggestion to you is to do it in the best way possible. Later, nerds. Later, nerds.